Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. From the Palmetto Swamps, to the Piney Woods, to the Oak Flats, you're listening to the Louisiana Bowhunter Podcast. You're listening to the Louisiana Bowhunter Podcast, presented by Scree Gear. That's S-K-R-E, Performance Hunting Apparel. You've heard us talk about it a lot. And Scree is offering our community its own code, L-A-B-H, gets you 20% off of your first purchase at ScreeGear.com. And that doesn't apply to already discounted or sale items or the bundles that you you see a lot with Scree. They like to bundle gear together, and those bundles are already discounted. But if you want to fill your cart up item by item, you can get 20% off with the code L-A-B-H. So hunting season is right upon us. Check them out. Follow them on social media and subscribe to their YouTube channel. You'll find out a lot more about new products and the gear that they have and get all of your questions answered there. And you can shop online at ScreeGear.com. Kyler, um... This is our second episode of the week due to our technical difficulties last week, and we have a a really interesting episode that uh, we're going to have a guest on that some of you are probably going to be somewhat familiar with, whether you realize it or not, and I think it's a great time for us to do this episode because there's probably a handful of people out there that are trying to decide what they're going to shoot in the next couple of days, they might be making those last minute decisions for their hunting setup. What do you think? I agree. I, I actually got asked by two separate people today uh, to text, what are good, what's a good broadhead? What should I shoot? Um, and so uh, I'm, I'm pretty excited about learning about that today and learning uh, actually a lot about some things that some of us not might not be 
familiar with, might be a brand we haven't heard of, or even a style of broadhead that you're not familiar with, such as single bevel and things like that. So um, anyway, I'm looking forward to it. It's good timing. So um, I know that we've talked a little bit already in, in our first couple episodes. You, you with your um, more public land hunting style, that you don't have as much property management work to be done leading up to opening day. And you mentioned earlier in the week that you finally this past weekend made your first trip out into the woods to check out um, some of your old spots from last year and pick cameras. Have you done anything else this week, or are you just kind of laying low, getting ready for Friday? I'm laying low, getting ready for Friday. Um, so today's Wednesday. Tomorrow is obviously Thursday. I'm, I'm taking off tomorrow, and I'm gonna check out. I'm gonna check out some spots that I can't hunt this weekend because of the wind. Um, I got a south wind all weekend, south southeast. So I know where I'm going opening morning. But I'm going nowhere near those spots to try and scout for next weekend because we're supposed to have a pretty good cold front. It's supposed to be in the 50s uh, the following weekend. And so I'm going to put a couple cameras out in places, scout, see if I can find some good sign and set up for next weekend because I've already got a game plan for this weekend. I don't want to go in tomorrow and blow that area out. So um, that's really it. Doing yeah. some, some camp prep and just waiting for guests to show up. And, and uh open a bottle of crown apple on Thursday night and cook a steak and go to bed at 10 o'clock. That's it. Yeah. I kind of made the decision and I might change my mind, but I kind of made the decision that I probably won't hunt this weekend because I was able to hunt a little bit last week, last week in Missouri. And I, with the rain that we've had the last couple of days and we're going to have tomorrow, I'm still trying to get a few last-minute things done, and I don't really have a plan with the weather and wind that we're going to have this weekend. And so if I went, I would just be kind of trying to just make it happen, and that's not really how I hunt. So I don't know. Unless something changes my mind, I I may wait. Like you said, we're supposed to have some better weather coming next week, and that will give me the weekend to finish all my my preseason prep tractor work and all that kind of thing and i'm ready to get that behind me so i can just focus on hunting and so i don't know but i I know a lot of you are going to be uh in a tree friday morning and heavy heavy anticipation so we're excited about that if you're um if you are still maybe you're in that situation where it's a couple days from opening day and Maybe you really don't have hunting property or hunting plans made and you're kind of still on the fence. Remind you about our friend Slade Priest, Real Real Tree United Country Hunting Properties. He's a Real Tree United Country land pro. And nobody sells more hunting properties in our area than Slade. He's passionate. He grew up in the outdoors. He's been in the outdoor industry on television and on digital media, hunting for a long time, and he knows what he's looking at. And I talked to him today and he said, you know, tell people that if they're if they're in the market if they're looking for a piece of hunting property even for this year it's not too late that that there's a very good chance you can still get to closing even by november and enjoy a new piece of property even this season and he's got some really awesome properties recently on the market and about to hit the market so again if you're if you're looking to list a property or if you're looking to find a piece of property he knows what he's looking for he knows what he's looking at when it comes to working with his clients he's passionate about it he's more than just a realtor so check him out, huntinglandmanms.com, and uh, got properties in Louisiana and Mississippi. So check him out, Slade Priest, huntinglandmanms.com. 
So our guest today is Mr. John Lusk, and if you follow our Facebook community page, you probably have seen Mr. Lusk post a lot of um, broadhead testing videos. He's got a methodology, we'll call it, where he tests out lots of different styles of broadheads, and um, he's provided a lot of really good content to our uh, community with uh, his results from these testing. So, Mr. John Lusk is going to be our guest, and that's what we're going to talk about is broadheads. So, if some of you are kind of um, trying to decide between a couple of different styles or brands, hopefully we can give you some information in this conversation that will help you make that decision leading into opening weekend. And as always, our um, our guests each and every week are brought to you by Brian Chamberlain, the Chamberlain Lending Team at Movement Mortgage. And if you're looking for residential loans, primary vacation investment homes, cash out rate refinances, renovation loans for pools, add-ons, or a total renovation, as well as assistance with hurricane relief, credit scores as low as 580 and as little down as 0%. And with the Movement Mortgage uh, Company, 42% of their profits go towards the Movement Foundation, which is a charitable organization that's that's used to to build hope centers in South America and charter schools for underprivileged children here in the U.S. So it's a great organization. It's a great company. And Brian and his team do a great job. Brian's licensed in Texas, Louisiana, and Mississippi in MLS ID number 114586. Movement Mortgage is an equal housing opportunity lender lender in MLS ID number 39179. John, we really appreciate you taking the time to jump on the podcast with us today. How are you doing tonight, man? Hey, I'm doing good. Well, man, I appreciate the opportunity just to uh, chat with you a bit and with uh, all your listeners as well. So I, I, I guess, first of all, um, if you could just kind of introduce yourself for us a little bit. Tell us a little bit about who you are and how you got into bow hunting and, and your style of hunting and what kind of gear you're using and that kind of stuff. Yeah, I um, I grew up in a bow hunting family, archery family. My dad was really passionate about bow hunting. He hunted with the recurve most of his life. And I grew up actually in Louisiana down. I'm not in Louisiana now. I'm in Iowa, but down in New Orleans. And we used to hunt hogs and deer and Honey Island Swamp and Slidell, Pearl River, Wildlife Management Area. I don't know if you're familiar with that, mm-hmm. but, uh, but we grew up hunting down there. And uh, gosh, been shooting a bow much of my life, except I work as a pastor. There was several years that I lived overseas. I lived in Thailand and you couldn't hunt over there because they believe in reincarnation. You might be shooting like your great, great grandmother or something like that, yeah. you know, so we couldn't even talk about hunting because they considered it a sin. But that was like the only time that I didn't bow hunt, you know, for those six years or so, but I came back to the States and man, making up for that lost time. So that's, that's, yeah, that's what I love. I mean, I just love bow hunting. So what kind of bow are you shooting nowadays? Like what's your, what's your setup? If you were going hunting in the morning, what what would your setup be? Right now I'm shooting a Bowtech SR6. It's at 72 pounds and I have a short draw length, 27 inch draw, 460 grain arrow. And I use a bunch of different broadheads. I, you know, I do so much broadhead testing. And when something does really well for me in the tests, I'm, I'm really eager to try it out on an animal. And so I try to hunt as much as I can year round, you know, whether it's a hog hunt out of state or 
a lot of deer. I could take a lot of deer here in, uh, in Iowa. And then I take trips, you know, throughout the year as much as I can. And I like to experiment with a lot of different broadheads, but, but it's typically 460 grain arrow and that, and that Bowtech SR6 right now, you know, I've, I've used a lot of other bows, but that's the one that's just really speaking to me in the last couple of years. Cool. Very cool. So when you, uh, you shoot so many broadheads, obviously that's what we're going to talk about today. In your quiver, do you have a full set of the same or are you mixed and matching? Oh, that's a good question. You know, I've, I mix and match a lot. And um, it's funny though, I just stacked my quiver for Friday and it's an urban hunt. I can hunt like, I mean, it's like 500 yards from my house. It's, it's just this area that's loaded with deer. And, um, nice. and you can shoot like unlimited does there. And I got a buck tag in that area, which is kind of like a cool, lucky thing to do. But, but anyway, for that, I just loaded all five of the same, Severed 2.0. But typically, I like to mix and match it. And like if I'm elk hunting or, you know, Western hunting, I may have a, a broadhead that's like for super long shots. And that'll be, you know, I have a couple of those in my quiver and then I have something for like 50 yards and under that's, you know, knocked on my, on my arrow and ready to go. And I figure I have a little bit of extra time if it's a really long shot to be able to pull out the other arrow. So I'll do that. Or even sometimes in a tree stand here in Iowa, I'll have like a, a really deep penetrating head for, you know, something if I'm shooting like straight down or, you know, like at an at extreme angle. But then if I have yeah. a little bit more time, you know, like it's a little bit further away, then I'll, you know, I have another broadhead that I'll pull out for that. So I just because I'm an addict, you know, I'm like a broadhead junkie. I just like to to kind of find the perfect thing for each setup and each animal and hunting situation. So I mix and match quite a bit. Cool. That's really interesting. Really interesting. So, so up there in Iowa, I, I'm kind of naive to this. I, I legitimately don't know. Do y'all have hogs up there? Is, is wild hogs an issue for you? Uh, no, I, I wish they were, you know. Don't say that. No, I know, don't. I know. It's I, I, I don't want it on the farmers. I understand they're such a nuisance, but man, I just love hog hunting. I mean, I've hunted it all over the world, and my favorite thing to hunt is hogs. I just love the interactive spot and stalk and, you know, they're Come on down. And I'll put you the on ones the 300 of them. Yeah. I have to take you up on that. I have a, I have a weird kinship with you on that because as a guy who typically hunts mostly private land and manages, um, different pieces of property to hunt on for most of the year or for most of the time, I'm completely aggravated and frustrated with hogs. And, um, it's just a constant source of frustration, but I have to admit in those moments, I don't, I rarely ever just hog hunt, but I do shoot them every opportunity I get. And in those moments where I get to shoot one with a bow, I'm reminded of exactly how fun it is. (laughs) (laughs) And it's kind of this weird dynamic where it's like, gosh, I hate these things. And I wish there was a way to get rid of all of them. And then I shoot one. I'm like, man, that's really fun. <laughs> it is. You get to try out all your skills, mm-hmm. especially you know man, because man, you're I can, and stuff. I've got some pens that I'm, I'll freely send y'all. Please, like, just come down, <laughs> knock them out. You know, I wish, uh, I wish I, there was a way. 
Yeah, because because what I what I do, I, I'll admit, I, I don't like a hog. I, I agree with you, Locke. They're fun to shoot. I'm not gonna overexert myself in trying to get one out of the woods. Usually, I cut the backstrap out, leave it lay or something, let the buzzards have it. But I, the second I come into a big hog area, I no longer try and deer hunt there. I just move on. Yeah. Try mm-hmm. and find the deer a place where they aren't. You know. Yeah. So, um, but there's, you don't want them, John. Come, come down here. You can have some of ours. You do not want those. Up there. They're like Asian. They're like, they're like Asian carp with legs. So, yeah. They're, um, anyway. Which they're, are also fun to shoot, right? Yeah. And so, yeah. You know, and I, I hear you because, you know, I grew up as a kid chasing them on public land there in Hanan Swamp. And so we didn't have that many interactions with them, that many opportunities and, but that was just really fun for me. So it got, you know, it got into under my skin. Like I, I just really liked it. And but now I got to drive, you know, to Oklahoma, Texas, and usually pay quite a bit of money to hunt them uh, on, you know, some ranch or somebody's property or something like that. So it's a perfect off-season thing for me to do. But yeah, I know when it comes to quality deer management, they're they're you know they're the enemy. Yeah. Like they're the devil. You, yeah. you don't want sure. so. With with the testing and stuff that you do, I think I think it it kind of goes without saying that a hog is a is a tougher animal than a deer in terms of penetration and pass through and all that. So I'm assuming here, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Do you have you modify your setup when you go on these hog hunts? I mean, what do you what is your favorite? I guess like setup broadhead arrow wise for shooting hogs. Yeah, that's a good question. And it depends on the size of the hog that I'm pursuing. Like if it's about 200 and under, you know, then I, I'll have no problem using a mechanical. Like I'll, you know, there's, I, I like a really strong mechanical. Personally, my favorite nowadays is the sever because and I'll use like a smaller sever, like the sever 1.5 because it gets a little more penetration, super durable. I've shot that thing into cinder block three times, boom, 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 and still going strong. I shot one head through steel plate, 22 gauge steel plate five times, and it stayed intact. I mean, many fixed blade heads can't do that. So when I go hog hunting, that's my favorite mechanical head to use. But if they get bigger than that, like if I know there's bigger ones in the area, and you mentioned earlier about having multiple broadheads in my quiver, then I'll have a really stout fixed blade head, you know, like, I mean, I just have several that I use iron will. I really like iron wills or bishops. I like using bishops. I'll use a single bevel at times, or I'll use an Exodus, QAD Exodus, just something that's really tough, penetrates really well. And so, you know, I'll, I'll slide that in if I know I'm going after a really big one. Yeah. I've, I've kind of made that a habit myself. I, I spent a lot of my young adult life hunting in areas where i mean every hunt i made there was a, a a better than not opportunity to encounter a hog and i have that same and now now i don't necessarily hunt those areas as much kind of like kyler i try to avoid them but um I, i've done that too where I, I always carry one or two broadheads in case i see those hogs coming something that's like you said that's usually a um a stronger fixed blade broadhead that really penetrates and then also i have to admit there's some economy in it too i'll get (laughs) (laughs) sure you know it's like i got a i got an arrow that i've been practicing with all year so i just stick a 
you know, big, <laughs> you know, heavy or not heavy necessarily, but a, a stronger fixed blade that I don't plan on shooting a deer with. And if he runs off with it, oh well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I get you. Yeah. Yeah. So, I guess you know the main thing that we really wanted to. What was so interesting is just uh, tell us a little bit more about your methodology for for these all these tests that you do and that you post online. Um, just kind of explain yeah. how you got started doing that and, and what your process is and that kind of thing. Yeah, I appreciate you asking. So, you know, my background uh, educationally, I'm an engineer, civil engineer, graduated from LSU, go Tigers. Um, but then I got a graduate degree in theology. And so I work as a pastor. So I like to speak and I like to analyze how things work. And I like kind of the the technical side of things. So I've always had a fascination with broadheads and their designs and, you know, what's going to maximize penetration, what's going to maximize lethality and cut size and bloodletting and all these different things. So I've always kind of marveled at the different designs. But then I was about, what was this, probably six years ago or so, I won a broadhead on Archery Talk, this online forum, if you, mm-hmm. you're probably familiar with yep. it. And, um, and and it wasn't like, you know, what's the big deal about a broadhead? This one broadhead cost 150 bucks, okay? This was like this this amazing, you know, made out of S7 tool steel. It was from Bishop Archery, and they were just coming on the scene. So I got this one broadhead, and I thought, you know, I'm going to put it through some tests and just see what it can do. And I made a video. I had a few hunting videos on my channel, but then, uh, but then I, I thought, well, let me just make a video of this. And I didn't have any methodology. I was like, let's shoot it into a pumpkin. You know, I shot mm-hmm. it into a pumpkin. Let's shoot it into plywood. And, and, and what about this hog shoulder that I had in the freezer? Like, I'm just kind of shooting it into all this different stuff. And then it started getting a lot of views. And I thought, well, that's pretty cool. And, and so then, like, I go, well, let me do a video on this one. And I had different broadheads lying around the house. And I would do video tests of them. And, and then I started buying the broadheads and I do more videos and I'm getting more views and it was just ramping up. Well, then over the years, kind of my, my system of testing is just evolved and it, it keeps evolving. Like my biggest challenge is I try to stay consistent for at least a year so that the test can have comparative value. And that's what, you know, the engineering side of me comes out that I go, okay, I'm going to have set tests that I put every broadhead through. And they have to be uniform, consistent tests, uniform mediums that I'm shooting into, very consistent tests, so that you can compare one broadhead to another. You know, if I if I just tested them on animals, and people say that all the time, why don't you just shoot them into animals? Well, of course I hunt, and I test them in animals, but that doesn't have any comparative value. You know, one broadhead might clip this vein, you know, or artery, and this other broadhead might clip a joint, you know, in the, in the shoulder. And, and so you really can't compare when it comes to animals. But, but if you have uniform tests, then you can compare one broadhead to the next. So that's what I've come up with. And I have tests that uh, for the flight and for the sharpness, edge retention, couple different tests for penetration, and then a couple tests for durability. And so I have these set tests that I do and each, each test, they get a score, they get a rating from that. And so then at the end of the video, there's a score sheet that I post 
of how that broadhead did in these different areas. So if someone's going out looking for a broadhead, rather than just having to trust the marketing or reading the package or, you know, what their, their best friend, you know, who shot this big buck is like, oh man, this is the broadhead to use, you know, because it gave it, you know, it gave him his best one. Like rather than just kind of trusting that kind of stuff, here's some like real, you know, not just anecdotal, you know, not isolated, but real experimental evidence and, and data points that you can use to compare one broadhead to the next. So that's what I do. And then, you know, I have specific things that I do in each of those tests that I just referenced. Awesome. I, I love, I love that. I love the process. I love the provability. I love the comparison. I love the contrast. Like, the reason why I like it so much is because so much of bow hunting and the hunting community in general, it's not just bow hunting, it's, it's, all, it's all outdoorsmanship, is built around hype, fluff, marketing dollars, um, uh, imaginary problems that products are solutions for. And <laughs> I, I, I love that. I, I would imagine, and, and this isn't a baited question, but I would imagine you've probably been let down by some things you had high hopes for and really impressed mm. by some broadheads that you had no expectations for. Am I, am I right? Oh my gosh. No question about it. You know, because I can believe the hype too. Like you, you see all these celebrity endorsements and all these people, Oh man, this, you know, this broadhead is all the rage, <laughs> like the, the rage. And, and <laughs> yeah. you know, you hear that. No pun you know, intended. You, yeah. But, and you hear that, you know, and I can get wrapped up in it or, or you think, you know, oh, this one doesn't cost much. It's going to be crap. And, and then you test and you go, whoa, this one that costs a lot is crap. And this one that didn't cost anything is really good. So I, you know, sometimes I do get surprised. Now, the longer I've been doing it, the less surprised I get because, you know, I, I, I analyze the materials. I can look at the design. I mean, I've, I've tested hundreds of heads and so I, I'm getting better at, at being able to judge them just by the eye and by the design. But but even still, I, I may get surprised. Now, you know, I, I know this, that that it's shot placement that reigns supreme, right? I mean, you could take the, the crummiest broadhead in the world and, and just put it this way. I wouldn't want to get shot with any broadhead, you know, even a piece of junk broadhead. I don't want to get shot with it. And so, I, you know, I know they can be lethal with a really good shot, but, but my goal in the testing is to kind of see what are the outer limits of what that broadhead can do. Let's put it to the real test and maybe by and large with a good shot, any broadhead can kill. But if it's a marginal shot this way and it, and it, and it hits bone or a, or a quartering shot and you got to maximize penetration like, or, or, you know, it feels sharp out of the package, but does it retain its edge? This is where the testing comes in, and it, it, it can look like splitting hairs because any broadhead can kill, but it's not. It's just doing research by examining these data points that I provide that then can help you to find the best broadhead for your personal situation and setup. So something that you said um, really leads me into one of the questions that uh that i expected to to have and that is you obviously are over time and 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 the amount of this that you've done you, you're learning right and like you said you become less uh surprised one way or the other because you learn 
how you can you can analyze something before you ever shoot it and kind of have an idea based off a of previous experience. So my question was, uh, you know, what are some of the design features that stand out to you at this point um, after having done so much of this? What are some of the design features that stand out to you um, going both ways that kind of are a red flag for maybe this is not going to go so well or, yeah, I've got high expectations for this because of this? Ooh, that's a good question. Yeah, and again, I'll preface it by saying I know any broadhead can be lethal with a good shot. And so I, I don't mean to step on anybody's toes. I, I, I really try to not bash different broadheads. I, in my earlier years of testing, I would do that. And I, I felt really bad. There was even one manufacturer I reached out to. And I said, hey, man, I'm sorry for just, you know, bashing your stuff. It's actually, you know, decent stuff. I was just being a little too, you know, too critical of it. So I want to give, you know, respect to, to any manufacturer and stuff. But, but there are certain things that I look for that can just stack the odds in my favor. But it really depends on what I'm hunting and what my bow setup is. Like, uh, you know, what broadhead I'm looking for for hunting Cape Buffalo, like I did last year. Man, that's going to be a totally different set of parameters that I'm using to examine it and critique it than if I'm hunting uh, a 100-pound hog in Oklahoma, you know, or a turkey. And so it, it's everything's a trade-off. And so it's hard to even just answer that question it just kind of in, in general, because it really depends on a specific situation. Like, for example, say with turkey. With turkey, I want the biggest mechanical head I can get, and I prefer a front-deploying mechanical head, like over-the-top deploying, not a rear-deploying. Because sometimes that wing butt or, you know, those tail quills, you know, they can be really tough to penetrate. And so I found, like, a rear deploying broadhead sometimes doesn't do the job nearly as well as an over the top deploying because it penetrates a little bit. Like say this is like um, like a, a Schwacker or a Vortex or something like that, um, Spitfire, like something that deploys from the front. So it penetrates a little bit, then the broadhead opens up and it really cuts a nice wound channel and that turkey's down. So for turkey, that's what I really look for. Now for whitetail, again, it kind of depends on how big the whitetail are that I'm going after. In Iowa, I may use a different broadhead than I would use down, at least on the land I hunted in Louisiana. They you know, kind of tend to be a little bit smaller or, or Florida or something like that. Um, but I like for a mechanical, for, for, for animals like whitetail, hog size, I want a rear deploying head. Because like if I'm using a mechanical, like because a, fr a front deploying head, you're going to get, you know, a good expansion once the broadhead penetrates. But that entrance hole is going to be really small. And if you don't get a pass through, then all you've got is one pretty small hole. And that can be problematic. But with a rear deploying head, you're getting that full cut on the entrance, you know, because it, it hits and, the, and the, the blades deploy from the back. So you get that full maximum cutting diameter on that initial hole. Now, if you get a pass through, you get two of those holes, but you're guaranteed at least one big hole. And that helps a lot for bloodletting. So, you know, that's one of the things I look for. But if you've got, you know, a really long ferrule, say like a mechanical with a super long ferrule, I look and if it's really vented, meaning like there's a, you know, there's a lot of like airspace where the blades go and stuff. And if it's aluminum, 
I go, mm, you know, that's going to have a tendency to bend. And then I look at the type of aluminum. If it's like 6061, that's nowhere near as strong as 7075. And so like knowing the materials like that with the designs, that kind of helps me figure out what the durability is going to be like or the um, the blades and what kind of bevel is on the, uh, the the blade? How thick is the blade? Like I look at stuff like that and I go, okay, you know, that's really thin. Okay, that bevel is really gradual. Man, that's gonna lose its edge really quickly. The blades are gonna get nicked up. So there's things like that that I look at in kind of a general way. Okay. I, I wonder, so, okay, I'm, I'm jumping a little bit uh, maybe maybe it feel will feel like I'm jumping a little bit ahead, but um, so just based off of your uh, your your testing metrics, you know your con- the, the, the things that you do with every single one of them, right? Uh, kind of yeah. putting aside the idea that on a hunt anything can happen, and there are so many different um, parameters to that shot that could change any broadhead, and there, like you said, there's no consistency there. Um, to, to test one against the other. Speaking specifically about your your testing methodology, what are you looking for and, and what are your expectations against like against the fixed position heads and the expandable heads? What are you looking for that's going to give you an expectation of, of a high score in your system? Okay, okay, yeah, that's a good question. Okay, let me, I'll, I'll back up a little bit too on this. When I'm selecting a broadhead, I have I have a few goals that I go through. And one of the goals is I want two holes. Like I want enough penetration that I'm gonna be able to have a good chance at putting two holes, you know, entrance and mm-hmm. exit in that animal, double the bloodletting. So I want two holes. So when I'm figuring out, man, it's a moose or a Cape Buffalo or you know, a deer or whatever, I go, okay, I want a broadhead that's going to give me two holes with my weight of arrow and my draw weight and so forth. So that's the first priority. And then the second priority is I want as wide of a cut as I can get while still getting those two holes. Okay. I don't want just like a little pinhole, you know, like a field point going through it, like a nail. I want as wide of a cut as I can get so that it's still going through. I'm still getting two holes, but it's cutting as much tissue as possible getting those two holes. Then three, I want the sharpest blades and the best edge retention I can possibly get so that it's cutting that tissue cleanly all the way through because a clean cut is going to be a lot harder to uh, to clot than a a jagged edge cut. It's just, it's going to cut a lot more effectively. And then I want a head that's going to be durable if it hits bone, if it hits, you know, at strange angles in that bone. I want a head that's not going to fall apart. Some people say, well, it's one and done, you know, who cares? Well, you know, I I don't typically like to reuse heads, but that's not why I, I do this. I want to make sure that that head maintains its full cut size all the way through the animal. And if it's bending or crumpling or breaking or something like that, that it's not about just destroying the broadhead, it's not gonna be as lethal. It's not gonna do as much damage as one that stays together. So those are, the, oh, and I want it to fly really good, right? Because you know shot placement is like 90% of the game. So my tests are designed to kind of reveal all of those things, the, uh, the penetration, the cut size, the durability, 
the sharpness, the edge retention. So then I can, can look at that and look at the size of animal I'm going after, my bow's poundage and the weight of my arrow and go, okay, well, for a deer, man, the maximum cutting diameter I can get, okay, it's gonna be this head. Okay, or you know, for a moose, ooh, I need a lot smaller head because it's gonna be a lot harder to penetrate and I want two holes, so I'm gonna go with that head. So it, does that make sense? Like yeah. that's kind of my overall Absolutely. philosophy. Yeah. And then and I did I did a video on this just recently called it was called Broadheads and Blood Trails. And just kind of like cutting through all the the kind of the confusion of what actually produces good blood trails. And how does a, a broadhead's design affect those blood trails? Again, shot placement is, is most of it, but but beyond shot placement, just with individual broadheads, what is it? And it's some of these things that I just described. So my scores as I do the head, as I do the tests, they'll reveal, you know, penetration, they'll reveal the sharpness, they'll they'll reveal, you know, the cut size and things like that. And so I can look at those score sheets and go, okay. If I'm going after this size animal, okay, I'm going to use that head because look at that penetration. Or I can go, I'm going after this size animal. Whoa, look at the cut size in that. Yeah, I'm going with that head. You see? So right. that's kind of the value of it. Hey, guys. I want to take a minute to tell you about the newest supporter of our podcast, Freebird Coffee Company. Freebird Coffee is a Louisiana-based small business, and it's veteran-owned and operated by three lifelong friends that love the great outdoors as much as they love great coffee. All three guys are big hunters and outdoorsmen and part of the Louisiana bow hunter community, with one of them still serving our country as active-duty military. They specialize in roasting small-batch, 100% organic, single-origin, Rainforest Alliance-certified coffee. Their coffee is a small-batch roasted, so it doesn't sit on the shelves for months like many of the big-bag coffees. This guarantees its freshness and gives it a taste that separates it from the rest. Freebird offers three different roasts, a medium roast, a French roast, and a high-caffeine roast, all in unique, eye-catching, outdoor-branded packaging. Freebird Coffee Company also offers a line of apparel and merchandise, and you can check them out at freebirdcoffee.com. Currently, Freebird Coffee is distributed online only. However, they're looking to get into stores and expand their presence. So if you own a store or you know someone who has a store and would like to carry Freebird Coffee, reach out and get in touch with them. I can tell you my wife and I are both big coffee drinkers, and we brewed a pot of the French roast recently, and I was very impressed. So check them out online at freebirdcoffeecompany.com and follow them on Instagram at freebirdcoffeeco and use the discount code FREEDOM for 10% off your purchase. Freebird Coffee, the best damn coffee in the world. So... Okay, so before we go any further, I think that the best the best information we can give at this point in the conversation, can you explain your the process? You talked about you've gotten it down to a consistent set of parameters that you put each head through. Um, can you explain that so that we can kind of better understand what you're doing to each one of these heads to get the results? Yeah, that's a really good question. Okay. So first I have a flight test. Now I don't test the flight of mechanicals because they all fly well. And actually with a really well-tuned bow with good FOC, helical veins, and you have good form and, and properly spined arrow, honestly, any fixed blade head is pretty much gonna fly really well too. Like I I can I don't I don't tune my bow for each broadhead. I just screw on the broadhead and I'll shoot it at 40 yards. I'll shoot one field point and then two broadheads, and I see what's the group like. 
And so that's how I test the flight. I do that for all the fixed blade heads that I test. For mechanicals, it's a, it's a non-issue, the flight, for, for at least for my setup. Okay, so first is the flight test. And then the second test is the sharpness test. And so I have a machine, okay? I used to just do it like with, with paper, would it cut paper? But then I, so one of my viewers turned me onto this. There's this, this company called Edge On Up and they make this sharpness tester. And they use this, um, this small little copolymer wire that's held together by two little posts and a clip. And it's, it's put into this, this little stand and you take the broadhead or any knife and you press down on this copolymer wire and it measures the amount of grams of pressure it takes to break through that copolymer wire. And the copolymer, they're actually pretty expensive, those little clips, but it's very consistent in how much pressure it takes to break through it. It's not just like a, a string or something like that, a rubber band. I mean, it's it breaks extremely cleanly and very consistently. It's certified by this big organization that certifies scales and stuff. So anyway, it tests the sharpness of a broadhead. So I do that, I'll test the sharpness. Then I do what I call penetration test one. And I have a, a, a medium that I use to measure the penetration. It's first a layer of rubber foam mat, two thirds or one third inch of rubber foam mat, and then a half inch of MDF, uh, medium density fiberboard, and then another one third inch rubber foam mat. So that's kind of the outer thing. And then that backs up to clear ballistics, FBI grade clear gel. And so kind of, that's kind of like an animal. I figure like, the rubber foam mat, that's kind of like the hide and a little bit of the tough tissue. The MDF is like a, like a bone. And then the gel is similar to tissue. Now, it's not a, a perfect you know, replication. And gel sometimes tends to stick to broadheads. So whereas tissue you know, is more lubricated with the blood and so forth, and, and it tends to pull away from a cut. But, but anyway, it is very consistent. And so I'll shoot it into that one shot, boom, and I measure the penetration. Then I take that same broadhead that I just shot into this medium, and then I test the sharpness again on that machine. And so I see how much of its sharpness has it retained or how much, how much more dull is it? And so then it gets a score for that. So it gets a score for sharpness, a score for penetration, a score for how much of its edge it retained, how sharp it stayed after that test, then I have another penetration test, penetration test two, just into layered cardboard. And I just shoot the broadheads into this, this, I mean, a bunch of cardboard all pressed together. And it's really easy. It's very consistent. And it's really easy to measure how many layers it cut through. And so I'll do that with each broadhead. And then I do a durability test. And for mechanicals, I shoot them five times through a half inch layer of MDF, just straight up MDF, nothing, no, no rubber foam mat in front of it, just boom, 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 boom. A lot of times they don't even make it through the first one, but I'll do a maximum of five and then they get a score based on how well they held together. For a fixed blade, I do that through 22 gauge steel plate because they're just more durable and most of them can handle that. And so then I do like a close up video examining the damage to the head after these shots. And then I have kind of a, a fun one. At the end, I shoot every broadhead into a cinder block. 
and it's, I do it in my basement. Okay, like that's my my man cave. I've got all my mounts on the walls and stuff. And my wife lets me do whatever I want down there, and so it's always a little scary. And I built this contraption to protect me as much as I can because sometimes, I mean, I've had shrapnel fly all the way back beyond me, you know, and hit yeah. me and stuff like that. I wear glasses. And I'll just boom, you know, I have a slow motion camera to, and you watch and see what happens. Some of the broadheads explode into a million pieces, some stick right into the cinder block. It's it's really kind of fun to do that. And so then I examine, you know, it's a zero penetration test. It tests the structural integrity of a head. People, I get comments all the time, people going, well, thank God we don't hunt concrete. Well, in my neck of the woods, we don't hunt concrete. I'm like, I know we don't hunt concrete, but, but <laughs> it's a good indication of just the structural integrity. And now a broadhead may be a great lethal broadhead and, and not be able to withstand an impact into cinder block. No question about it. It doesn't mean it's not a good broadhead. These aren't pass fail tests, but if you're kind of, if you're buying a broadhead and one of them can handle being shot into cinder block and it sticks and it just comes out looking unscathed and the other one breaks into a hundred pieces, all other things equal, wouldn't you want to pick the one that can handle the impact into yeah. the cinder block? Absolutely. I mean, I would. So it's just a data point. It's not like, you know, pass fail. It's not, you know, tell all, but it's a data point for you to consider. And so those are the tests that I do. And then the score sheet puts them all together and then I just tell people, hey, you check out the score sheet and see what what you know scores matter to you the most. Maybe you go, I don't care about the cinder block thing, or maybe you go, all I care about is the penetration. Whatever, you can just pick and choose which scores are important to you. But it gives you clear data points in very consistent tests with very uniform mediums. Very cool. I actually was thinking, cool. I was thinking to myself. <laughs> Um, watching some of your videos and also hearing you talk about the cinder block, um, the cinder block test at the end of your videos, like <laughs> how much, how many things other than the arrow and the broadhead have you destroyed doing that? <laughs> like, I, Man, I tell you. Being a camera guy, I mean, I'm a camera guy myself. I, I do a lot of media work and it makes me cringe watching it because I'm, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, what if that, something that just destroys the lens of that camera i know gosh i think about that all the time and I, I you know i've gotten it down i have like a little gauntlet of a of a broadhead box made out of wood i call it my broadhead box and it's about like four feet long so the arrow has to go through that and i have a covering over the top because it was bouncing out over the top and coming back at me but mm -hmm. so now it's kind of in this cage like i shoot it into the cage and so that can, you know, that helps a lot, but I've still, I've had pieces of broadhead just fly across the room. I've had the arrow bounce back and stick in, or not stick in the wall, but hit the wall. And, and so I'm, I'm always a little bit of cringing myself when I do it. And I have my GoPro Hero 9 Black that's set up like point blank. I mean, it's, it's like four inches from the, the cinder block. And I'm always like, please don't mess yeah. that up. I can't afford a new one of those. It's, but, it's a matter but, of time, know. I think. <laughs> oh, man, don't say that. <laughs> but, you know, I used to, there was a time I did the cinder block, and then I got, nah, I'm not going to do the cinder block. And then people are like, well, where's the cinder block? We want to see the cinder block. So, you know, it's a pain to do it. But I have a good friend who owns Bishop Archery, and they make the world's strongest, most durable arrows, arrow shafts. 
So that's the only reason I can do it is because he gives me these shafts. And I mean, they cost so much money, but with one arrow, I can, man, I can pop that thing a hundred times into the wow. center block and, and it, and it doesn't break. Sometimes the insert will come out, the epoxy, you know, comes loose, the insert comes out and I'll just epoxy it back in and I'm good to go That's and shoot impressive. it again. It's rare that one breaks. That's... Yeah, it is pretty impressive. So, Tyler, well, John, John... Well, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead yeah. with your question first, and then I'll ask <laughs> no. you after you ask your question. Okay. So, you've done uh, you've done all these broadhead tests. How many, if if you had to guess, how many um, different broadheads have you tested in total? Like That's a, a number. Question. You know, I have a playlist of all my, I have different playlists on my channels, like bow hunts, African bow hunts, hog hunts, turkey hunts, deer hunts, and broadhead tests. And then broadhead tests for 2021 and, you know, and then all of them. And I think of the broadhead tests, I think I have like 160 videos of broadhead wow. tests. But some of them have like 20 different broadheads being tested in it. And mm -hmm. so, you know, so... I, I've tested, definitely I've tested over 200 different broadheads. That's wild. That's mm -hmm. incredible. Well, so out of all those 200, if you were going to make some suggestions for people, um, what, what do you think your top three would be for mechanical, fixed, and, uh, and um, uh, what's the other one? Uh, like single bevel style. Okay, yeah, that's a good question. And again, every person's bow and arrow specs and setup are so different, right? That, you know, so it's hard to just be general, but if I just go, you know, general, general, and, and, and then, and then again, budget, like you go, you know, am I talking, you know, middle of the line kind of average budget. If I do that, like if I say, okay, kind of within, like, cause there's heads, like I said, that'll be, you know, 350 bucks for three or a sure. hundred bucks for three. And, you know, I, I don't know if people want to hear that, but but say like my top three off the top of my head, fixed blade, like multi-blade heads, like three or four blade, I'd say QAD Exodus. That thing, man, I've been shooting those for years. I've taken, I lost count at 50 animals with those. And I mean, they're like one of the best flying, best penetrating, most durable, and 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 they're not expensive. And they have a really wide cut, a one and a quarter inch three blade cut. I mean, those those heads are just amazing. So I, I I really highly recommend those. Tooth of the arrow. I really like tooth of the arrow, all US made, and they're just single piece construction of you know, one piece of hard high carbon steel. They're four blade heads. I really like those. Um very cool, yeah. That's a two yeah, blade iron now. will, I mean, are great, you know. I they, those, uh, I, you know, and Magnus, I mean, Magnus makes really good heads. They're, you know, there are better heads, but for the price, those are really good. Slick Trick, by and large, are, are pretty good. And, and there's, of course, there's many others. But those are kind of the, some of the top. Like if I go Exodus, Tooth of the Arrow, Iron Will, you know, those are, those are some that come to mind. And then if I go Mechanical, um, honestly, like I... I used to not be a Sever fan. Like when they first came out, I heard bad things about them. And I'm like, oh, you know, whatever. And then I couldn't believe how durable they are. They have such a unique design that a lot of times people don't understand all the intricacies of the design and the way it absorbs shock and the blades are so durable. So Sever, 
2.0 and 1.5 based on what I'm hunting, those are like by far, there's nothing even close in my mind for a mechanical. Um, like um, the afflictors, I've used the afflictor hybrids, especially the hybrid minis. I like those. And you know, I just tested this uh, this NAP DK4 just this last week. In fact, I got videos coming out tomorrow, I think. And um, man, that thing did really well. I was like shocked. That was one. You know, you talk about sometimes you're surprised. I thought it was just going to be a piece of junk, and then I'm like, oh my gosh, this thing did so well. Um, but those are some of my favorite mechanicals uh, for like a, a single bevel, like two blade. I mean, you know, top of the food chain, scientific method. I mean, those S7 tool steel, those are just incredible. They go all the way up to 600 grains. I mean, I got these 600 grain broadheads and it feels like, like a spear when you've got that on the, it's like a lawn dart, you know, when you have it on the end of an arrow, it's just so heavy. Um, but they go, you know, from 100 grains up to 600 grains. Um, Iron Will, single bevels, they just came out with those this year. Those are amazing. VPA makes a really good, not too expensive, single bevel broadhead. And, you know, Alien out of Australia, they make a really inexpensive, incredible single bevel uh, broadhead, the V2. That thing, that's the widest single bevel. It's it's one and a half inches of cut. And it looks like a little triangle, but man, it flies so well, rotates extremely well, very durable. And man, it doesn't break the It's like one of the least expensive broadheads you can get. So you right, know, those, gonna, are, those I, are some of the things. I want I want to do I want to do something with you. I think it'll be okay. I think it'll be fun. Okay. We're gonna do a rapid fire first thing that comes to mind. I'm going to say a broadhead and you say the first thing that comes to your mind about it, because there's a lot there. You, you did not, you did not name a broadhead that I shoot, my friend shoot or lock shoot. And I'm not <laughs> going to tell you what they are. And I think it's great that you didn't. And, and I'm glad that you didn't because one of the things that I'm a huge advocate for in archery in general is forming your own decisions um, and forming your own opinions. Sorry, forming in your own opinions what i meant um and in the archery and hunting world there's a lot of um there's a lot of shine and bright lights and flashiness that people are trying to attract you with and so uh are you cool with that if i name let's yeah. say I name five broadheads are you are you yeah. cool with that Lock, Absolutely. yeah you ready no it's this okay. is a better this is a better idea than the question i was going to ask you so go ahead. <laughs> okay because you went through a little i well, I'm familiar with almost all the broadheads that you um, that you just named across the board, except for the 600 grain one. I I, I wouldn't know what that one was, but um, like I said, you did not name some of the most popular broadheads, which I think is great because there's probably 500 videos of people, you know, uh, re reviewing quote unquote a Rage tripan. You know, like that's not nobody's doing a first video on that. Before I get started, I will say I was looking up the Sever 1.5, and as I sc slightly scrolled down my Google search, the top three YouTube videos about it are from you. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. you've got the Sever 1.5, you've got the Sever 1.5 review cornered, John. Uh, that's yours. You're the king of that mountain. 
So um, I thought that was funny as you were talking a second ago. All right, rapid rapid fire. Tell me off the top of your head what you like if you can remember. I don't need another score, but what you thought about it and its performance. Number one would be uh, uh, Rage um, uh, Extreme Cutter or Rage Tripan. Effective and overrated. Excellent so, response. Yeah, I mean it, it can be very effective. But it's usually going to be the first broadhead to, if I do a big test, to bend a blade or break a blade. It's they spent you know ninety percent upwards of ninety percent of your the sticker price on marketing. And so, but but it so, is effective. Yeah. It's a good design. Effective. So overhead. reusability, re reusability would be fairly low. Oh yeah, for sure it would be fairly low. But then also just you know the lethality. It, it can it can bend or or break inside of an animal, and I I don't want that happening, you know, to the best of sure you know my ability to control it. But but I know a lot of I've used Rage, I've used them very successfully. A lot of my friends have used them, so they're good. I mean, any any broadhead can get the job done. They're a good one. Um, I just think they're a bit overrated. Sure. All right. Next up, wasp drones. Yeah, I've tested the wasp. I, you know, I, I used to shoot the wasp boss bullet in uh, many years uh -huh. ago. That was that's, like my my favorite. That's a four head. blade, isn't it? Um, yeah, they made a four blade, and I think they made a three blade, but they were really small. And matter of fact, that's what when I shot those, they would just zip right through deer, and I'm like, well, wait a minute, I want to make a bigger hole while I zip through deer, and that's where I first started learning this principle of because because those holes were getting plugged up with fat or you know, uh, hide or, you know, organs or whatever. And I, I wasn't seeing the blood that I wanted to see. But, but anyway, um, wasp, I, I'd say, I'd say kind of similar to the rage and that they're good. There's just way better choices. So they, they can work. No doubt. I, I've taken a lot of animals with them, but as I test a lot of heads, there's other three blade heads that same design that are just much more durable and effective. All right. Schwacker, any of them. I don't care. <laughs> Schwacker. I've, I've tested about all of them. I mean, you know, I really like the Levi Morgan ones. So those those curved blades and the ribbed ferrules are they, they really do make a difference. They're more durable. And those blades, because the blades curve anyway, when you shoot them through something, they bend back. So they just start bent, bent back already. <laughs> and then so it's, yeah. you know, it's it's a better design. Um, I'd say they're good. I'm just not a big fan of over-the-top front-deploying mechanicals for deer. They, but they certainly can get the job done. I wouldn't have a, a problem using them. I know they take in a lot of animals. But with my setup, I want a rear-deploying mechanical if i'm going to use it in mechanical except on turkey on, on those on turkey i would i'd use those in a heartbeat so i i will i'll add something to that that has always been my opinion of schwacker which is that there's so much arrow inside the deer before it hits the little fins to open the blades i can't imagine that they're and i have not shot them so this is just a um this is a guess, but I'll educate again. I can't imagine there's much of an entry hole because technically the mechanism to open the blades isn't hit, if you will, until the blades are already inside the skin of the deer. Am I right? 
Yeah, that's the design is you get a one inch entry, which, you know, then you go inside and, you know, the broadhead opens up and you do all kinds of internal damage. But like I was saying, if you get a pass through, man, you're going to do fine. But if you don't get a pass through, yeah. there may be good internal damage. Maybe that, that deer will drop in sight or maybe it won't. And you're not going to have much blood if, you know, just coming sure. out of that small hole, unless, you know, you, you hit inflated lungs, you know, then it kind of explodes. But, but yeah, I want a bigger entry hole. It's yeah. For me. That's All right. La last one, last one. I say this for last block knows what it is. <laughs> Grim Reaper whitetail extreme. Yeah. I've used those a lot. I, I've used them on Turkey. I've used them on hunts before. I just recently did a, a test of those. Um, they're, they're good. And they, you know, I, I've had friends that friends just took a caribou with one a few weeks ago up in Alaska. I know they can be very effective. I think they're, they're weaker than most people realize, especially the hundred grain version, the little cups, the retention cups, man, those things break so easily on a hard impact. But if what I have figured out is if you order, if you use 125 grain uh, head, those cups are much stronger. Or you can order the replacement cups for the 125 grain head and use them in a 100 grain head. And then that makes that kind of fixes that weak point a little bit. But I think if you've got the kinetic energy to drive it through, then great. But again, I prefer a rear deploying mechanical over a, a, a front deploying mechanical. So just I have, because I want a bigger entry hole. I have an add on question because obviously this is the broadhead that I shoot. So it's self serving. Um, <laughs> you know, I don't, and I don't know, I haven't looked all the way through all your tests, but Grim Reaper makes a couple of different style heads where the, the deployment and the blades are all the same, but they've got a longer and a shorter head. They have the razor tip and then they have the, the, uh, trocar style. I think it's what it's called top. That looks like the head of a muzzy. Yeah. Um, so have you, what is your opinion on the difference between the, the, the longer razor tip style and then the shorter, kind of muzzy tip style. I don't know what they're called, but do you, you know what I'm yeah, talking about? I do. And, and now they have the pro series that, that their pro series tip, I think is the best tip of any mechanical head there is. That thing is it because it's truly cut on contact and yet it's chisel tip as well. And it's very narrow. So their pro series, you know, they make the Hades, uh, micro Hades and the pro series, they make the the micro hybrid pro series, like most of the heads have the pro series. The whitetail special has a pro series and, and that tip is golden. <laughs> like, I mean, when I shoot that into concrete, okay, the whole head will get destroyed, but that tip is not coming out of the concrete. I mean, it is like so deeply embedded in there. It's like, dang. I mean, those tips are amazing. So, so there's, there's three different models, but by far, the Pro Series is the best. Okay. I've had a lot of success. I've had a lot of success with that razor tip, chiseled tip design. So I was just curious. Yeah. I've shot both. I've, I've killed animals with, with basically, I've not shot the Hades, but with the, uh, the whitetail one and the razor cut and the razor tip, I've shot uh, deer and hogs with all of them. And I've had good success with all of them, but I just wondered if you, what, you know, the variance, what, how much different, because really the broadhead performs, or not performs, but the broadhead acts the same way. It's just got a different tip on it. 
um, yeah. as far as the and blade I prefer deployment. A chisel on tip. Uh, yeah, um, with the old models, I prefer the chisel tip. Um, but since that pro series come out, it, it's like the best of both worlds. I, yeah. I think it's, mm-hmm. you know, but, but yeah, that's just my thought about that. Cool. Well, so that's Locke, what was your question? Well, I was going to, well, so what I was going to do was I was going to ask you what broadhead you're shooting and then share which ones I'm shooting this year and get him to give us that same sort of reaction to those broadheads and then maybe a couple of other popular brands so you yeah you, you you formulated that uh part of the conversation better than i was going to so good job <laughs> jo- I, I do have another question for you john about about your um i don't know if you still i don't know if you still um add this to your test but i was watching uh, maybe a video from last year where you were rating uh how it shot out to 70 yards uh like with a balloon yeah. like essentially could you could you hit a balloon at 70 yards with it um, so this isn't so much about the broadhead as it is kind of leading into bow tuning and accuracy. Are you a believer that if your bow is tuned properly, any broadheads should shoot somewhat in line with field tips? Or do you see a true variance from broadhead to broadhead in flight? Okay, within my margin of error, like if I shot it through a hooter shooter, right? Like, you know, a, a set contraption that's going to shoot consistently every time, maybe so. But within my margin of error, I don't. So You with, don't notice with, one. I notice, like, I can tell how it's going to fly based on, if it, okay, if, they all, if it spins well, okay, they all got to spin well. If, it, if it's got a wobble, doesn't matter what's going on with your bow or how good a shot you are, that's not going to fly great. Um, but if it, if it spins well, the less surface area it has, the better it's going to fly, right? Because that's uh, yeah. what, okay. that's what makes the difference. That's where the, the planing comes from. And, you know, that thing is spinning. There's, there's turbulence and the wind can catch it. So the less surface area, the better the flight. That's why like a shorter broadhead, it's almost always going to fly better than a longer broadhead. And a two-blade broadhead is going to fly better than a three-blade broadhead. Two-blade with bleeders will fly a little bit better than a three-blade. Four-blade will typically fly better than a three-blade. Like there's some just physics laws at work. But I can take pretty much any broadhead and go out there with my setup and I not do anything different. I don't do I don't tune anything for my shooting. And I used to do the test all last year was 70 yards at a balloon. And then some people were, you know, critiquing, and I love the critiques. They were just saying, that's not realistic. You know, we want to see how does it group with your field points at 40 yards. Okay, well, I'll do that this year. So that's what I did this year. I'm not sure what I'll do next year, but but yeah, I mean, pretty much any broadhead. I, I can tell, like some of them I have to really focus on my form because um, a little bit of variance on the way I release or my follow through my grip and it's going to make a big difference but one trick that I have and you know there's a there's a video I did earlier this year called understanding broadhead flight that like goes through all of this and I try to break it down in a really simple to understand way of like what are the factors that really determine the flight of a broadhead and it's more than I could share right here but but that's a good thing to reference but but anyway, I, you know, I like, wait, shoot out. I lost my frame of thought there. Mm. Well, anyway, I, you know, I like to have a head 
that is going to be, you know, as less surface area. Oh, oh, this is what I was going to say. Um, I like to, to a, a trick is to shoot um, a bare shaft. So when I'm practicing, I, in my quiver, I almost always have one bare shaft, at least one bare shaft. And so at ranges out to 30, 40 yards, I'll shoot my normal arrows and then I'll shoot a bare shaft every now and then. And that's just a good way for me to be checking my, my own personal form as well as the tune of the bow, because I want that bear shaft to have the same point of impact and to have the same angle of impact as my fletched shafts. And if they are gotcha. like say at 10 yards, man, then I know pretty much any broadhead is going to fly really well out of it. If, if it can pass, if my bow can shoot bear shafts well, because then you're adding in, you know, the fletching. And I like to use a, a blazers with a helical twist to them because that helps it to be more forgiving. I like to use a heavy front of center, like 20% front of center is what I'm shooting because that helps them to fly a little bit better. Um, but, but your bow tune and your personal form are the biggest factors. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, thanks for sharing that. I was, I was just curious. So, well, yeah, that's a good question. I, that's, I mean, it's been a tremendous amount of information and I hope that, you know, what I take away from it, I guess, more than anything is I feel a little bit inadequate in my preparation (laughs) (laughs) because, uh, you know, I've never done even close to the amount of of testing and research of different equipment. And we do always kind of harp on the idea that you should, you know, pay a lot of attention to your gear and what you're using and whether it works for you. But, um, we really appreciate you, um, posting those videos on our community page for people to see. I think it's, I think it's great, you know, that what you're doing and, and, and helping a lot of people. So, um, I, I, for one, am, am, am very happy to have you a part of our, our community and, and glad to have you on the podcast. It's been a really informative episode. Oh, thank you. Thanks, I, I really appreciate it. It's good talking to you guys, man. I, I would like to hunt hogs with you one day. Hey, you come down here, you don't have to pay for it. People are just come on down. I'll, I'll push you. Look, I, I, wait, where do you want to you, you bring your bring your thermostat Friday morning and I'll put you in a car hole with a bunch of hogs. It's, you know, it's funny. I've actually had this conversation with with friends of mine that are from other parts of 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 the country that that hunt a lot that don't have the hogs like you know guys up in the midwest there just once you get north of oklahoma there really aren't any at least at this point um at least in that mid thank thank goodness for for the american farmers they haven't gotten up in that area the way they are down here and and i have a lot of friends up there and i've talked to them and they're all like you said i mean they're paying you know decent money to go hunt hogs and i'm like Man, that is such a foreign concept. Like you can pretty much nowadays with the popularity of hunting in general, it, it's really hard to knock on doors and get permission to hunt um, down here. But if you go knock on someone's door in the summertime and say, "Hey, I want to kill some of your hogs," they'll like feed you dinner and put you up and say, "Please <laughs> kill all of them you can." You know, it's it's like it, it's a, the, I had guys contact, "Hey, you, you got anybody that would let me uh, pay to come hog hunting?" I'm like, "No, but I got some guys that will let you come hog hunting." <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly That's awesome. so yeah uh, i'm happy to help the definitely um definitely a fantastic off-season activity and probably for a guy like you that likes to shoot a lot of broadheads there can't be a much better target and test subject than a hog i would think it's true it's a great way to test broadheads i love doing it for that reason yeah. 
Very cool. Well, John, we appreciate it again. And, um, you know, guys, if you if you haven't looked and you don't know what we're talking about, the Louisiana Bowhunter Community Facebook page, if you're not a, a, a member of that, go ahead and go sign up. There's a lot of good conversation. But you'll see a lot of these videos that uh, that John posts on when he has new tests out. Like I think you mentioned you got a video coming out tomorrow. So uh, he always post a lot of those videos there and then of course you can link out to there from those videos on our community page and you can find his youtube channel where he's got playlist of of all kinds of different videos testing and trying them out in the field and everything else so go check that out and and remember we have a lot of new hats and apparel coming hats are on the website now you'll see us posting about them go out to louisiana bowhunter check them out we're really proud of some of the new colors and designs and how they look I think you guys are really going to like them, so check out Louisiana Bowhunter or check out one of the many stores around the state that carry our merchandise and support your local retailers and pick you up a hat for opening day. Send us a picture. We might post it. It would be awesome if you would do that. We would appreciate it. But until next week, I wish everybody an awesome and safe opening weekend, and uh, hopefully we got a lot of fun stuff to look at on social media. Kyler, I hope there's a lot of people kill and post their kills on a on our pages we get to see uh, i need that because i'm probably not going to be one of those people so i need to live vicariously through all you guys while i'm doing tractor work <laughs> absolutely so good luck everybody yeah this is this is going to be airing open in morning yeah we should get this one out early lock like like uh, like uh, launch it bef- before uh before the hunt i'll try friday. my best I'll, I'll try to schedule it to get it out there so you can listen to it on the way to the stand friday morning i'll i'll, I'll try to Perfect. do my part on that all right guys Good luck opening weekend, John. Thank you again, and we'll talk to you next week. Thanks, John. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Louisiana Bowhunter Podcast. If you have anybody you'd like to hear on the show, reach out to us at info at louisianabowhunter.com. And if you want to help support Louisiana Bowhunter, go by your local archery shop and pick up some merchandise. If you don't have any at your local shop, let us know and we'll reach out to them. Or pick up your gear at louisianabowhunter.com and we'll ship it out to you same day. See you next week.